It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. The fans cheer on the Bulldogs. One second left. Down goes Villanova. 66-58. The Bulldogs take down the top team in the land. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools comprising the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook, joined as always by Providence Journal beat writer and author Kevin McNamara. And the king is dead. We might caution you here. The king is probably still alive. But number one ranked Villanova took its first defeat at the hands of 18th ranked Butler Wednesday night this week. And, you know, as we've experienced before through the first 36 years of play in the Big East, Kevin, the road is a treacherous place for everyone no matter where you're ranked. No matter where you rank, no matter how many national championships you have, it's certainly very, very tough, especially this year, to go into Hinkle Fieldhouse and win. And, you know, John, we could just hear the excitement uh, uh, coming out of that upset win. And, you know, you, you were just at Hinkle last week. These places are tough places to go in and win. And uh, you didn't have to tell Jay Wright that. He certainly knows. You know, I have to admit, Hinkle, with all of the history that it has behind it through the years, and yes, you want to throw in the the movie-making of Hoosiers there and all that kind of stuff, Uh, to have another special moment like that where that building hasn't experienced it before in like 90 years, that's pretty remarkable when you think about it. You know, we've been going there now for four years, and Hinkle was in need of a makeover. And you just think about how much that program has changed. Coming off two championship games uh, with Brad Stevens as the coach, they changed leagues, upgrade their schedule because they're in a better league in the Big East, upgrade the building. And what a, what a great job they did out in Indianapolis to upgrade Hinkle Fieldhouse into really one of the cathedrals of the sport. And I uh, can't, feel, can't feel happier for them. $36 million renovation, and, and it, they managed to not only upgrade uh, the periphery surrounding the court, but the court itself still looks like it crawled right out of the 1950s, but with a new uh, sense and feel to it. And it really gives you a feel of nostalgia if you've never been in the building. And it's really, it's really a cool thing. And kudos to the people at Butler, not only for what they've done on campus, but hey, to the Bulldogs themselves for knocking off number one Nova. And Chris Holtman, you know, what what a great job he's done upgrading uh, the roster. Uh, we've we've had him on the show before, and he's talked about how uh, to, to compete in the Big East, you need a different type of athlete, different type of mix on his roster, and he's certainly done a great job with that. And just look at the resume uh, so far this year. Uh, Butler has wins all over the top, uh, you know, fifty of the RPI, whether it's Arizona or Utah, uh, Indiana, and now number one, Villanova. Well, if they haven't stamped it before, they've stamped it now. Just going to ask you, though, ranked 18th this week after going 1-1 one and one in the opening week of Big East play. This is obviously going to pull Butler back up into the polls for the next week. How does this alter the picture, at least at the early stage of the overall conference level with uh, you know, the competitiveness of, the, of these teams? Yeah, two things, I think, kind of uh, come out of last night. Number one, I, I think it will cost Villanova its number one ranking, and fine. You know, if I'm Jay Wright... I had that a little last year, had it a little this year. The buzz is certainly heavy, heavy on his team, but it is a burden being number one. Villanova is going to get everyone's best shot in the Big East anyways, but probably don't need the burden of being a number one. So, you know, they might just drop back a tiny bit. 
Butler's a top 15 team. Xavier's a top 15 team. Creighton is a top 15 team nationally. Uh, these teams will take losses in a, in a league like the Big East, uh, but uh, I, I think the voters will appreciate that they're all top 15 teams. What's interesting, John, is two weeks into the season, there's one undefeated team That's in the Big right. East right now, Xavier. Xavier. That, that just shows the balance uh, of this league. I think it's the most balanced top to bottom. Maybe not the best. We'll, we'll find out as the season goes on, but top to bottom – with uh, only one team uh, undefeated at 2-0 and Xavier, uh, th- that's saying something. Well, going into conference play, the Big East still held on to the number 1 conference RPI in the country. And, and uh, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that, because as these teams now start beating up on themselves, just like we saw on Wednesday night uh, in Indianapolis, does that help or hurt the RPI? Well, uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt unless the top teams are losing to the quote bottom teams. You know, uh, right now St. John's and DePaul are the only teams outside of the 150 in the RPI. What what the Big East needs to get you know six teams in. I, I think five are looking really good, and I know it's really early. Obviously, an awful lot can happen. But uh, the NCAA breaks down your wins in RPI segments. Top 25 wins, top 50 wins, top 100 wins. Right now, the uh, Big East has eight of their ten teams in the top 100. Uh, it's really important for teams like Providence, Marquette, and Georgetown to stay in that top 100. Well, speaking of uh, Providence and Georgetown in particular, they had a battle of survival already at the first of week two in the middle of this week. Both teams winless, both teams desperate to get a win, and Providence managed to hold serve on the home floor. Old school Big East. It was a little scratchy at times. You know, uh, Naismith wasn't taking notes as they were playing, but both teams just desperate for a win, as you say, in only the third game of the season. And uh, Providence doing what it needed to do. And protect home court. You have to win your home games because, well, as even Villanova showed, going on the road is really difficult. Shouldn't we also uh, at least pay a little homage here to the start that St. John's has had this year at 2-0? and And they were a preseason pick for 8th uh, and sometimes ninth in the Big East Conference going in. It's a team that's still in transition in year two under head coach Chris Mullen, the former St. John's star himself, an NBA All-Pro player and one of the 50 greatest players to have ever played the game at the professional level. And yet he's in his first venture as a head coach. And already in year two, his young Red Storm players made an indelible mark on this conference race early on. Well, it was a great scene uh, earlier this week when Creighton came into Carneseca Arena, which, by the way, is a, is a great home court advantage for St. John's. They obviously play most of their Big East games at Madison Square Garden. The couple that they grab and, and stick into Carneseca, boy, that, that's a very tough test. And they beat Butler. You know, as, as we've just said, Butler is a top 15 team nationally. They beat them at home. It made for, when Creighton came in, uh, a sellout. Uh, probably the best atmosphere in the uh, Chris Mullen era uh, at Carneseca so far. We should also say that Creighton managed to survive that as well. Creighton is, you know, there's very few elite offensive teams in the country. Creighton's in that conversation. I'd say UCLA is there. Uh, maybe Kentucky is there. But offensively, the way they flow, the way they can shoot the ball, the way they, they space the floor – uh, good size. Uh, offensively, they will put up points. It's as simple as that. Anything catch your, catch your attention from last week as well in particular as we get into this weekend's play? You know, I, I, I like the way Marquette's playing. You know, um, you know, they beat Georgetown impressively at home, mm-hmm. and then they go to Seton Hall, which is a very tough place to play, and, and give the Pirates all they could and, and lose by three, 69-66. Huge game uh, at Villanova this weekend. You know, like we said, there's, there's opportunities for those 
you know, mid-level teams to become upper-level teams and sneak into the NCAA tournament. And Marquette is certainly one of those teams that's very dangerous. I really like freshman uh, Marcus Howard. He, he's very impressive. By the way, don't forget, if you have your own questions about your team or the teams that you follow in the Big East, we're going to take them on. We'll try to get you some answers. Follow us on Twitter, at JR Broadcaster and at Kevin McNamara 33 Tweet your questions to us using the hashtag TWITBE for this week in the Big East. Our Big East spotlight this week will shine on one of the league's nationally ranked teams, of which there are several, that has had to remake itself just a, a little bit this season after several successful years. But what makes Xavier good this year or good enough to win a championship? We'll ask and hopefully answer those questions for you next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom, where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. Big E Spotlight. Lob to Blewett, top of the key, drives the left side by his man, finger roll, lay it, good for two. Nice crossover move, Blewett just beat his man handily, and Xavier leads 60-49 with 5.45 to go. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Our Big East spotlight this week focusing in on the Xavier Musketeers. It's a team that has a physical and, and, and strength presence to it and has had one for a number of years. That's what's helped make Xavier, I think, successful. But at the same time, it's something that is part of their tradition. Head coach Chris Mack joins us this week in the Big East. And, Coach, I'm wondering, every year you know exactly what it takes to win in this conference. And even though you may have some personnel turnovers, you still manage to come in with that mindset. How do you establish that? Well, I think you establish it uh, in a number of ways. Number one, I think it's who you recruit, trying to get kids that uh, embody toughness both physical and, and mental toughness. And then, uh, you know, the way that we practice, I think is very conducive to putting us in the, in the right position when games come around to you know, hopefully uh, be able to compete at a very high level. Chris, looking at your non-conference uh, schedule, it seems as if there's maybe a couple turning point games that went in your favor. Uh, Missouri in the first round game down in Orlando. Yep. I remember watching that game. Uh, it certainly could have gone either way. Ended up sc- scratching one out in overtime. A- and then, you know, I-, I think probably the two losses on the road at Baylor and Colorado certainly taught the team an awful lot. And I, I applaud you for lining up uh, a very, very rigorous non conference schedule, which I know you've always ascribed to. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um tough situations in terms of, you know, putting ourselves in, uh, on the road and, you know, back-to-back to go to Waco, Texas, and then a couple of days later uh, followed up Boulder, Colorado. Certainly wasn't easy, but uh, I'd agree with you. I mean, the season obviously is a process. You know, you don't, you're not necessarily going to be who you are on day one, uh, hopefully three, four months down the line. You've got to continue to get better uh, each and every practice, each and every time you play. And I thought when we played against Missouri, uh, quite frankly, we weren't very good. Very, very fortunate to win the game. And when you play in those exempt event tournaments and you have three games in four days, uh, so much of it can be momentum. And uh, I don't even want to think about what might have happened had we lost that one to be able to turn around and 
you know, play a Davidson team instead of Clemson, who we end up playing in the winner's bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, Davidson's so hard to prepare for in a one-day turnaround. We could have easily come back 1-2 and two or 0-3. And, and so very fortunate in game one. I think our team learned a lot. And then anytime you go on the road, uh, I think you're going to learn a lot about yourselves. And, you know, Baylor's really good. And they haven't lost a game. Uh, there's a reason for that. I don't think we played very well against Colorado. Uh, but if you look at the Baylor game, I mean, it was basically even with about eight minutes to go, and then Trayvon Blewett picks up his fourth foul, and, and uh, we sort of go by the wayside and don't really play very well down the stretch. But uh, Colorado, I don't think we played well the entire game. So uh, maybe the back-to-back road games had something to do with it. But as you said before, Kevin, it is a learning experience, and hopefully we use those games to uh, help us when we face some of our competition here on the road in the Big East. Coach, let's tie these last two elements together just a little bit with the development of this team. How do you feel that this team has progressed in terms of uh, getting on a little bit of that role as you just spoke about with what your goal is, is to put you know a team that has some strength, has some length, has some power to it, uh, you know, has a team that can kind of fight night in and night out in a, in a rough and tumble league like this Big East? Well, I think if you point to one thing, it would probably be um, how we're playing offensively. You know, I thought earlier in the year we were really choppy. Um, you know, we uh, we didn't have as good a ball movement as we had the last couple of years. And I think that's gotten uh, a lot better here over the last few games, and it needs to be based on who we're playing. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and, and think that uh, we've arrived. We talked about it with our team, knowing that who's in our league, uh, the type of matchups, the quick turnarounds you're going to have, the familiarity between coaches and, and players, that um, nobody's going undefeated in this conference. Um, you know, And so we understood, hey, if you lose a game, it's not the end of the world. Can't get too low, can't get too down on yourself. And the same, same thing applies when you have a big win. Can't get uh, too full of yourself, can't think that you've arrived. you got to quickly uh, turn the page. And we talked to our team a lot about that as we headed into conference play and you know, the, the great thing about our league is if you drop one, you you have the opportunity a couple nights later to get a really good sure. RPI game under sure. your belt simply because of the competition you're facing every night. Sure. To that uh, point on ball movement, does that have anything to do with the play of Edmund Sumner and his continued improvement in running, in running your show? Well, Edmund's a catalyst for us, certainly. You know, both the position that he plays and I think that the challenges that he presents opponents. Uh, he has as big of a burst as any player I've ever coached. You know, he has the unique ability to get in the lane and at his size. I think he continues to make better and better decisions as the year's going on. And I have to give him a little bit of rope. Um, I mean, maybe some coaches might not do that, but, you know, he may have three or four turnovers in the game, but we ask him to make uh, so many plays. We ask him to play fast. We ask him to get up and down the floor that, um, you know, if I want him to play with that type of freedom, and that type of spontaneity and that type of uh, athleticism, then I can't get upset with him when he doesn't play like a point guard who walks the ball up the floor and has zero turnovers. So um, I agree with what you're saying in terms of like our offense uh, being tied in to Edmund, but it's not just Edmund. It's, uh, it goes around the table to the other players. and uh, I think for the most part we have a, a better synergy offensively. We're sharing the ball a lot better than we did earlier in the year. Hey, Chris, congratulations. The uh, season is less than two weeks old, 
and you're the only unbeaten team left in the Big East. <laughs> you, you, you guys, if you guys can call me back in about six weeks and say the same thing, I'll kiss you. <laughs> I'm sure you will. And you don't want to kiss him, believe me. I, I don't know if I like your chances in this league. Uh, you guys always yeah, say, you know, it's so deep and so balanced, but uh, there's probably not another. There's no way that there's another, you know, a league like this in the country from top to bottom. I think the size of the league is perfect at ten, but. Uh, obviously to see, uh, I guess it's eight of the ten teams already have wins, and there's only one unbeaten team after three games. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it, it's an awesome league. I mean, who would have thought, um, you know, five years ago, four years ago, when, when the league was sort of realigned, that we'd be where we are today. And, you know, we're awfully excited here at Xavier. I'm really proud of our league. Uh, I think every school in it uh, cares deeply about basketball and has made the commitment. Uh, to be as good as they possibly can be. And, you know, these rivalries that maybe weren't, you know, very cemented early on uh, with the home-and-home and and playing everybody twice, and you you rarely see that in college basketball with so many of the big, big leagues. Uh, I I think it's awesome, and I think it sort of restores a tradition that a lot of people want to see in college athletics. And, uh, you know, we're just scratching the surface of what this league can be. Uh, and just to follow up there, do you think that top to bottom, this is the best? You know, it's the it's the fourth year. I, I, coaches like to say that every year, and you know, but I, I think the evidence might might actually agree with you this time. Yeah, I don't know if I'd, I'd pound my chest and say, "Hey, we're the best." Um, I think that would be, you know, I think that would be, give a disservice to some of the other leagues that are out there. Certainly, the Big Twelve and the ACC are phenomenal leagues. You know, they're a little different especially the ACC with the number of teams they have uh, in the conference. But um, having said that, I, I wouldn't put our, our, our league in a backseat of any car, you know, based on results, uh, based on tradition and, and, and how we've all been playing this year. So I'm really fortunate to be a part of a great league. Thanks to Xavier coach Chris Mack. And the Musketeers will have a home game at the Cintas Center this weekend with St. John's before catching the wrath of those Villanova Wildcats next week on the road. So who has the hot hands ready to take on the next challenge on that road? That's next, this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? Be a VIP and experience select NCAA championships the best way possible with the NCAA Experience. Packages for select championships, including the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship and Men's Final Four, can include game tickets, pregame VIP hospitality access, hotels, and much more. Official NCAA Experience ticket and hospitality packages are available now at NCAA.com slash VIP. Secure your VIP package today to experience it live. Who's hot? Under two minutes to play now. Three ball pond side is good! Jafari Pond rings the bell and it draws St. John's to within two, 69-67. Ahead to Sumner, right side of the floor between the leg dribble, driving the baseline, and got it! Ooh, lays it in ooh, for ooh. two. 66-58, the Bulldogs take down the top team in the land. The court is stormed. Butler has beaten Villanova for the first time in program history. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. First off, kudos again to Butler for their knocking off number one this week and beating Villanova at home. It's great to see and hear an historic venue like Hinkle Fieldhouse just create another piece of history for itself for the Bulldogs' 66-58 win on Wednesday, Kevin. Pretty exciting moment for everybody involved with that program. 
No question about it. I, I thought it was really interesting to see that you know that balanced scoring. I, I think Butler kind of personifies that. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- who do you stop with Butler? There's really no one guy, no two guys, uh, and an excellent bench that Chris Holtman has coming at you as well uh, with four double-figure guys in that uh, in that upset. And, and two graduate transfer students coming in, and Keith and Savage and Avery Woodson, who have both contributed mightily to Butler's bench strength and overall depth. And I know that you know Butler fans won't miss Kellen Dunham and Roosevelt Jones, but really, will anybody else? Because the way that they have guys coming off the bench and they can all shoot the ball, Butler's a very good basketball team. Well, if you count those two guys as seniors, and really they're graduate seniors, graduate seniors yeah. uh, maybe as experienced a team as there is in the league. You know, they have Tyler Lewis, who's who's a senior. Uh, Andrew Shravich is a senior. You know, they have an awful lot of experience and uh, obviously talent as well. Well, in that game also on Monday, Jalen Brunson, Villanova's super sophomore guard, prior to the game, well, he was selected to this week's Big East Player of the Week. He averaged 20 points, five and a half assists, four rebounds per game last week as the Cats won their first two conference games. Uh, in their win over 10th-ranked Creighton in Omaha on the road last weekend, Brunson let loose for a career-high 27, hit five of seven from three, and he led the Cats with 23 in the loss at Butler. Jalen is, is playing as well as really any guard in the country, if you really look at it. You know, he obviously led his team to the, you know, with Josh Hart and everyone else who Villanova has to the number one ranking. But I just think he's taking more on his shoulders offensively, showing that he's not just a crafty point guard, he can also score. And to, to throw 27 on the road at Creighton, 23 on the road at Butler, he's a very dangerous offensive player right now. As for the freshman of the week this week, St. John Shamari Ponds, he's going to be mentioned a lot this season. He continues what could be one of those special years for a young player. Ponds led the Red Storm to a 2-0 start in Big East play, averaged better than 20 points per game and wins over Butler and DePaul. Kevin, this guy could be one of those true remarkable young stars that you get maybe once in a generation. You know, a perfect situation for Shamari. You know, he, he has Marcus Lovett along t- alongside him, another really impressive freshman. But he has free reign. Uh, you know, it, it, what, what freshman wouldn't ha- say, great, I have the ball and I can do my thing. And Chris Mullen has certainly injected an awful lot of confidence into Shamari. And he has that offensive, explosive offensive ability that can change a game. I, I kind of like the fact that it's a New York kid getting it done for a New York team. I mean, we haven't really seen that in the Big East in a while. I know that's got to make hoop fans in, in New York City feel uh, you know, pretty pretty happy right now with the way Red Storm have been competitive. No question. Uh, and he plays with that New York City chip on his shoulder. I, I think he, he knows he's good, and he wants to prove it on the biggest stage. And uh, be very interesting to see what type of consistency. That, that's the key right. for any freshman. Uh, what type of consistency Shamari can keep playing at. On the Big East honor roll this week, earning their grade, Butler's Tyler Weidman shot nearly 80% from the floor. Uh, Creighton's Maurice Watson had a 21-point, 10-assist double-double and a win over Seton Hall. St. John's Bashir Ahmed, 16.5 points in a couple of wins, and he also shot 54% from three. Seton Hall's Angel Delgado, he averaged a double-double in a one-and-one week for the Pirates. And Xavier's Edmund Sumner, we talked about him briefly with Coach Chris Mack a little while ago, but he hit for a career-high 28 points in a road win at Georgetown and averaged more than 20 points per game with six boards and six-and-a-half assists in the Musketeers week. Now, that's some serious shooting, Tex. You know, uh, John, who does this remind, remind you of? A long, lanky, athletic point guard who goes to Georgetown and has 28 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. 
Sounds a little like Chris Dunn. At Providence. You know, and and the NBA scouts that I talked to, they're not comparing him to Chris, but they have that type of excitement about Edmund Sumner. He's he's one of the better point guard prospects in the country. So if you can get a chance to watch Edmund Sumner play, either in person, on television, listen on radio, wherever it may be, I I think you'll probably get your money's worth. He has that type of ability, uh, as Dunn did, to impact a game both ways. You know, he's offensively uh, and defensively. He's just so incredibly long. Very long. You know, I think they list him at 6'6". He might be 6'6". You know, usually these SIDs stretch these guys a little bit. but A little bit. A little bit. But uh, Sumner, with his uh, size and really his explosive quickness, is a difference maker in the college level, no question. Well, our Big East focus this week will point toward the Pirates of Seton Hall. That's the team that has top 25 potential written all over it, if not the actual ranking, coming up this next week. And they have an emergence of a new team leader in their backcourt. It's a Brooklyn kid, by the way, doing it for a Jersey school. That's coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Big East Focus. Rebound out to Rodriguez. Long pass down court. Out to Carrington for three. It's good! Great ball movement by the Pirates. Carrington for the tray, and the Pirates take the lead. 41-40. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. The Seton Hall Pirates split their first two games in conference play before a quick repeat return date at Marquette. Quirky little piece to their schedule after a home tough home win against the Golden Eagles this past week. Junior guard Kadeen Carrington joined us this week in the Big East. Now, Kadeen, I know you're kind of focused on DePaul right now. That's your next game up. But what's that like playing a team literally a week after playing them for the first time in a, in a pretty tough battle? Do you, do you find it easier to prepare and play a team like that when the games are so close together? It's kind of easier because you know, like, what they do. You know, we, we um, a few days scouting them, um, going over their plays, things like that. So it's kind of easier to remember when you play them so soon. You know, Kadena, I looked at your non-conference schedule, really challenging schedule that Coach Willard set up for you. But I think the, as a player, maybe the most difficult part was the travel uh, at Iowa. Then you went to Florida. Then you went to Hawaii. Then you went to Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I guess you. I hope you had some really good planes. Yeah, definitely. It was it was a tough non-conference schedule. You know, that's how Coach set it up. Um, he wanted us to get on the road, kind of get. Um, the new guys and the freshmen adjusted to the road life. So, um, and I, we we had a pretty good non-conference schedule. Um, we, we had a a few tough wins on the road, a few tough wins on neutral sites. So, um, it was a great non-conference. How about the tra- the actual travel, though, Kadena? Uh, you know that that can take a lot out of somebody. Uh, are you good with the travel? Were, were there any highlights, lowlights? No, nah, I, I I hate those long flights, especially the <laughs> Hawaii flight. That was that was terrible, especially especially going there. Um, coming back, we stopped. Cali, but going there was the worst. It was it was a straight flight. Yeah, but but please tell us you didn't mind going to the beach. Yeah, I didn't mind that at all. <laughs> Every, everything everything else was fine except the the um the long flight. Everything else was good. Kadeen, you know, I, I've been to Hawaii a couple times. I actually went on my honeymoon there, but I have not been to Pearl Harbor. Did you guys take the tour out there? Yeah, we took the tour. It was it was an amazing experience. You know, 
just being with the with those guys, um, seeing, learning about the history, um, just seeing everything. It was it was a great experience. How do you feel about representing when you go into situations like that? Representing not only yourself, your school and program, but also the league in that regard. Do you kind of feel that there's a little bit of responsibility there on your shoulders when you're when you're out uh, in in a place uh, that has such a uh, not only historic but a focal point as Pearl Harbor? There's definitely a responsibility. You know, you always want to go go out on the court and play hard, but when you're playing in front of troops like that, that that give their their um, time to for our freedom, you know, you, you kind of play a little extra hard. Um, and you tr- just kind of try to represent the league, represent your coaches, represent your, yourself the best way you can. Hey, Kadeem, to bring it back to your team this year. Obviously, a great run last year in the Big East tournament to win the, win the Big East tournament. Uh, you lose Isaiah, who I know you know you guys were really tight, uh, you know, growing up together in Brooklyn and, and the group that came in as – uh, freshman a couple years ago. Now you're a junior. There's no Isaiah. Uh, a little bit more of a spotlight on stopping Kadeen Carrington for, for opponents. You're averaging almost 20 points a game off to a really good start. J- just talk about the difference between last year and this year for yourself. I mean, for myself, you know, it's a little more challenging. You know, last year, like you said, I had Isaiah. Um, he got me a lot of shots, and the defense focused on him a lot. On him a lot and that, that allowed me to get off more. But this year, you know, a lot of teams... I'm the main focus on the scout. You know, me and Coach talk about this, these things all the time. Um, the screen and rolls, they're not leaving me. They're not leaving me on the open on the perimeter. So, you know, it's a little more challenging. And you, you just got to stay focused. So that's what I've been trying to do all year. Well, you seem to be doing a pretty good job. You've been third in the Big East most of the year in, in scoring, uh, as Kevin mentioned, about 19.5 points per game. So let me ask you this, because uh, when Isaiah Whitehead left for the NBA a little bit early, uh, that's going to create another opportunity for somebody else. Who do you feel like on your team has helped step in to fill that time, if not those points, assists, rebounds on down the line? I mean, it's, it's been by committee, you know. Um, I think Angel really improved his game a lot. Um, Desi really stepped up and – Miles came in as a freshman and um, he started playing well early. You know, he he's he, he's had a little freshman freshman lumps um, as the year went along, but I think he's doing a great job and he's just going to continue to get better. Now you're talking about freshman Miles Powell, but you also mentioned Angel Delgado and he continues to lead the Big East in rebounding. I think he he was born into the Big East, uh, leading the league in rebounding. What about Angel's game? Do you feel has he improved? Because he was pretty good when he got started. How how has he improved in your eyes? I think passing, you know, he's he's a great passer. You know, he gets double every almost every game. So, I think he's he's just been working on passing out double teams, and he's he's also a willing passer. Um, sometimes he gets a little ahead of himself and try to make some crazy passes, but um, I think that's that's the biggest improvement he made in this game. You know, he could always rebound, and he could always score a little bit. And he he also working on his scoring too. That's that's the biggest improvement I've, I've seen. Kadeen, we, we always have coaches uh, on the show, and they always talk about focusing on the next game, and I, I totally appreciate that. But as a, as a you know player, you're growing up with an awful lot of the opposing players around the league. Uh, I'm sure you watch uh, on TV or, or on, your, on your computer and whatnot to see how everyone else is playing. What's impressed you around the Big East so far this season in the first you know, two months of the year? Uh, I, every day I say it, I say we have the, like, the craziest league um, that there is. That in the country, you know, um, St. John's they started off two and zero. Nobody expected that. Um, Creighton's doing doing well, so it's it's just it's just a crazy league, you know. You you got to it's no off days. You from top to bottom, it's gonna be a tough game every night. 
that's that's the craziest part part I've seen about it, especially this year. So knowing that you guys had the success you did, as Kevin mentioned, you guys won the Big East tournament last year. How do you try to to build on that this year, knowing that you know as the season progresses, you're going to be one of those teams that everybody's shooting at? Yeah, we we definitely have those conversations. You know, um, we beat a lot of guys last year, and they're not happy about that. So this year they're going to be gunning for us. But we we just got to stay focused. You know, um, last year was a was a great stepping stone. We just got to build off last year. Just keep getting better as every every time we step on the court. How has last year's success uh, helped you guys? Maybe you know on campus, uh, the buzz around the team, the crowds in Newark. Uh, have you noticed an extra little little bump for you, for the program? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I think a lot of a lot of us showed that we were good last year. Um, we had good players, even though Isaiah left. We still had good players returning. So um, the fans realized that. Everybody else around the league realized it, but it's it's just our job to prove it every night. It's not one night we could just come out and say, um, we're just going to win this game. we got to play hard every night and play the way we play. One of the Big East scoring leaders, junior guard Kadeen Carrington from Seton Hall. Kadeen, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. The National Perspective is next. We'll visit with the Dean of Big East Broadcasters who has plied his trade and thrilled his audiences for parts of five decades. Next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. At Butler University, we've been called underdogs. We prefer overachievers. Here you'll be challenged to put your education into practice in the real world and gain the career experience to prepare you for the road ahead. So four years from now, your biggest challenge will be deciding which job offer to take. No matter where you end up, we'll help you get there. Butler Bulldogs aren't born, they're made. Plan your visit at butler.edu. National Perspective. So here comes Butler. Jones puts it to the floor. Has to the puts it up. No! No basket! Hoyes win! 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 The Hoyas have beat Butler! Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara and spending some time now with a longtime familiar radio voice from the Big East Conference and the voice of the Hoyas, Rich Chavakin, who's been, I think, around longer than dirt has been around in the Big East. Would that be fairly accurate, Rick? That's a pretty good, uh, accurate statement. Longer than dirt. But you know, the thing about being longer than dirt, I've seen some great games in the Big East. You know, I look back on the first one, the 1979-80 championship game right here yeah. at the Providence Civic Center, then the Providence Civic Center, when Georgetown beat Syracuse. And that started the whole role. When, and, then, and then you look at some great games, the Connecticut-Georgetown game that went down to the final when Ray Allen hit that big shot. The 15 minutes it took Georgetown to lose to St. John's in the championship game in 1992, that 15 <laughs> minutes was 30 seconds of actual playing time. It took 15 <laughs> minutes. So we went to about 15 different commercials, and I said, my goodness, it's a great way to make station some money, isn't it? It, it really is. So 42 years, is that right, or 43? Which is the 43rd for me. 43rd. Yeah. Right. 42 prior seasons, and 37 have been with the Big East. And it's been a wonderful run. And, you know, I, I think the greatest thing that I've ever done is, is do every game from 82 to 99. And, and I really enjoyed every single minute of it. Every game in the Big East tournament. Now, I, I'm going to say that again. Rich would do every game in the Big East tournament when the Hoyas weren't playing. He, he would do some really scintillating, sorry, you know, Boston College Seton Hall games. And uh, uh, first of all, uh, how did you keep yourself going, you know, for, for that stretch of time? 
Well, the, the difficult thing was when they went to 14 teams, and I had to do five games in one day. I mean, the voice obviously went by the semifinals <laughs> and finals, but I, I just had the energy. I knew the players. I knew the teams. I, I, I felt good about doing the broadcast, but, you know, you just wear down physically and, and, and voice-wise. But, you know, I did it for 19 years, so it was really a great experience. Rich, uh, the Big East is celebrating its 35th uh, Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden, which, uh, you know, you've been there for all of them. I've been there for all of them. John Rook has been there for all of them. And, you know, Georgetown really dominated the first decade. Uh, I think I have four of the first seven uh, Big East tournaments at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, people still see that as the Big East heyday back, you know, and we know the names, you know, Patrick Ewing, uh, Charles Smith, Reggie Williams. I mean, I... You could tell a million stories, but anything that jumps out of those games. Well, I remember, obviously, the Ewing-Syracuse battles with uh, Pearl Washington, Andre Hawkins, Michael Graham. I mean, those were absolute wars. I don't think that will ever be replicated in terms of the tremendous talent that was in the, in the mid-1980s. And then, of course, then you had the 87 with Reggie Williams and the Miracles, 89, Charles Smith and Alonzo Mourning. And I think that was the heyday of the Big East because you had so much competition and, and, and so much parity among the top three or four teams. I'm talking about Georgetown, Villanova, St. John's, and then Providence, of course, in 1980. 87 when they beat the Hoyas in the in the regional but you know again it goes on and on and on and then, then in, the, in the Iverson years in the mid 1990s and then of course uh, and then Georgetown winning it again in 2013 with Otto Porter so it, it, it's been great for the Big East and I, I just hope it continues. This is uh, Rich Shavakin of course the longtime 43rd year voice of the Hoyas uh, visiting with us this week in the Big East. I, I have to kind of backtrack just a second though because you've seen so much and you've seen a lot of great players, as Kevin just talked about. But teams, there's been a lot of significant teams. The Big East has eight national champions in its first 37 years of existence, which is certainly significant, almost one every four years. Outside of the Georgetown teams, which team has left a lasting impression on you over the last 37 years? Well, I think the Syracuse teams of the mid-'80s, when they had Pearl Washington, Andre Hawkins, I think Connecticut, obviously, has had some great, great basketball teams and you know, under Jimmy Calhoun. I mean, those games with Georgetown and semifinal games were just wars. And I think Province has had some good teams. They won in 1994. So the, the, the teams that stand out for me outside of Georgetown, I think, are, are, are Connecticut. And St. John's has had some good teams. Syracuse has had some good teams. I think they've been in the upper echelon of the, of the Big East. Like perhaps that six-overtime game a few years ago between UConn and Syracuse? Well, that, that, that was probably the marquee game in Big East history, to, to take it to six overtime, for people to be able to play that kind of amount of minutes yeah. and, 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 and a, and a matchup like that. I think that was tremendous for the, the actual longevity of the Big East. John, the good news, Rich didn't do the six overtime game, or else he may not be here today. <laughs> no, I did, actually, and I lost my broadcast partner. I did it for national radio, and I lost my broadcast partner with laryngitis in the second overtime. I went four OTs solo, just so you know. Hmm. Rich, uh, now that the Big East is, is still in the garden, obviously a lot of great games in the last first three years here of the, of the reconfigured league. Uh, just talk about the Hoya fans. They have you know, the miles that they've ridden on Amtrak up and down, uh, you know, the Northeast Corridor. They, they still really do like to come to the garden. There's no question. I think, you know, John Thompson talks about the Garden as Georgetown's home away from home. Uh, you know, they, they've won seven Big East tournament championships, and, and all at Madison Square Garden, they continue to draw well when Georgetown plays St. John's, and, and hopefully that the Big East will continue with the Garden forever, because I think when you have that kind of opportunity to know that in the second week of March, you're going to Madison Square Garden for three, four, or five days, I think there's nothing better, especially around NCAA tournament time. 
We'd be remiss if we didn't ask you a little bit about this Georgetown team because uh, you, as you look at the Big East teams around the league this year, you and I were talking actually just a little while ago about, wow, this league is top to bottom, maybe as good as it's ever been. So I wonder if you could compare where Georgetown fits in with some of the higher teams in the conference this year and how this league has developed, you think, in its, uh, in its new infrastructure. Well, Georgetown's struggling of late. I, I think top to bottom, this is probably the strongest Big East team uh, schedule ever that any of these teams are going to face. Creighton, Villanova, St. John's is doing much better. Obviously, Butler's good. Seton Hall, Connecticut. I mean, and and then of course you also have to take a look at at the bottom. Well, look at DePaul. Yeah. Took Villanova right to the wire. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the things that Georgetown has been struggling with is having to play an 11 o'clock game in the morning against Xavier. Then you have to turn right around and play these very tough games on the road. So this is this is the balanced Big East as I've ever seen it. I, th- I think what we're going to see, Rich, is with the exception maybe of Villanova, because you've you got to cut them some slack. They are the national champions. I, I can't see teams winning 16 games in-, in the league this year. And more importantly, everyone is going to have some losing streaks, and some teams could have some good teams, could have four and even five-game losing streaks, and you-, you have to be able to put those behind you. It's difficult. Yeah, and, and I think that the big factor in this Big East is going to be the-, the-, the team that finishes at, at-, at 14-2, and two or-, or they're playing 18 games, excuse me, team that finishes at 16-2, and two, that- that's going to be the-, the champion of the league this year. I, I don't think anybody's going to do any... If they get that far. If they get that if they get that's, that's right. That's right. right. And-, and, the- and the thing is, well, look at injuries. Look-, look at what happened to Georgetown in particular. Isaac Copeland leaves. They had injuries earlier in the year. I think Marcus Derrickson's now starting to step back up. But, you know, on any given night, anybody can beat anybody in this league. And, and Coach Thompson talked about that the last time that we played Xavier. He said, any given afternoon, anybody could beat everybody if you don't lace them up for 40 minutes. Backcourt has been an issue for Georgetown for a couple years now. It looks like they have a few more potential answers at the point guard spot. Jagan Mosley, freshman, is starting. Uh, LJ Peak really looks good to me uh, physically, much more stronger, obviously. And the additional Rodney Pryor, again, not a point. But their backcourt seems to have much more punch than it had last year. Well, John obviously had to retool his backcourt. I think they're playing much more up-tempo, Kevin. I think Georgetown realizes that the important thing for Georgetown, they can't play in that half-court slowdown game. They have to try to push it at both ends of the floor. Force turnovers, they came out three-quarter court trapping pressure. That's what they're trying to do to, to, to force the, the tempo and use some of that athleticism. You have a guy like Rodney Pryor, L.J. Peak. They can run end line to end line and finish with jams. I mean, you have to do that. I think that's their strength. When you get into a half-court game, you start passing the ball around, anything can happen. This way you go transition, baseline to baseline. I think that's their game. Who's got next? We're just getting started. But some choice matchups are on the horizon, and we'll run them down for you next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next this week in the Big East? When a drive for excellence combines with social justice, there is energy. When entrepreneurial spirit is unified with a passion for service, there is power. At Marquette University, when we bring people who hold these convictions together, they ignite. They become agile thinkers, fearless leaders, and willing servants. The force that acts for good no matter what, ready to go forth and set the world on fire. Marquette University. Be the difference. Who's got next? John Rook, Kevin McNamara with you this week in the Big East. And, Kev, our Saturday slate has some intrigue to it. Butler's coming off of that emotional win over Villanova, taking on a desperate Georgetown team in D.C. to kind of lead things off. You know, the beauty of this league, John, is is there's – 
very good games every night, uh, especially on the weekends when everyone seems to play. And Georgetown, you know, I've seen Georgetown, you know, live once, several times on TV. They're close. They're close. And obviously, to get over the top at home, Butler comes in, and then um, they also host St. John. So they have two home games in a row. It's time for the Hoyas to, to grab one. And Georgetown has some bigs that can shoot the ball. I don't know if they shoot the ball enough. Maybe not. You know, uh, Marcus Derrickson, uh, Jesse Govan, you know, I, I think every team in the league would take those two big guys. No question. Uh, and, and Rodney Pryor has certainly made a very good impact as, as the one-year transfer. If they can get a little bit better guard play, I think they're going to be a tough out. Let's highlight a couple of the other games. Creighton plays at Providence, and the uh, Blue Jays uh, already winning one on the road this week. Get another road test against the Friars. You know the Friars are undefeated at home. 10-0, and I think everyone knows uh, the Dunkin' Donuts Center is one of the toughest places to play in the league. Ed Cooley's done a very good job protecting his home court as the coach at Providence. Uh, Creighton has not won in Providence. And we'll see if they can get it this time. As we've talked about early in the show, offensively, they are just really fired up and playing well. Nova, number one for at least a couple of more days. They get a chance to rebound against Marquette. You know, at Wells Fargo, I think it'll be very interesting to see how they bounce back from their loss. Uh, I certainly like, like the Wildcats in that game. How about uh, Xavier playing at Villanova to lead it off next week? You know, it's funny. People would say, oh, you know, they could be looking ahead to Xavier. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe losing uh, at Butler uh, says we're going to bounce back and play well and beat Marquette. But, boy, what a big-time game. Uh, certainly the game of the – maybe the game of the week in the country. Uh, Xavier at Villanova at the Cat House. That's not at Wells Fargo. A very tough test for the Musketeers. And if you don't like that one – Maybe game 1A of the week in the country. Butler at Creighton. Just just what we said at the top of this segment. I mean, there's a big-time game every night. Again, I think Butler could be in the top 10 by that point uh, because of its win at Villanova. So you could have a top 10 game there, Butler at Creighton. And we know, uh, you know, Creighton has already dropped one home game to Villanova. They certainly don't want to drop a second. Man, I've already got the sweaty palms just thinking about next week's schedule. I'm kind of ready to go. The problem, John, is (laughs) you have to call these Providence games. I I (laughs) I hope hope your DVR has plenty of room. My DVR gets a lot of work right now at this time of the year. Hey, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and ask us your questions of your favorite teams players, coaches, via Twitter. We got one this week from XUFan2012, who tweets, Will X put it all together and make a legit Final Four run? Hey, XUFan, do us a favor. In two weeks, ask us again, because look at your schedule. Uh, After St. John's, you go at Villanova, at Butler, Creighton at home. (laughs) After those three games, I can give you a great answer. But I really like your team. Uh, with with Blewett and Sumner, you have two of the top, maybe five, but certainly top ten guys in the, in this league, and uh, elite players nationally. Uh, I don't know if it's Xavier's best team, but potentially it could be. Don't forget us to tweet uh, your questions to us using the hashtag TWITBE every week via Twitter. Our thanks to Xavier head coach Chris Mack, Seton Hall junior guard Kadeem Carrington, and the voice of the Georgetown Hoyas, Rich Chavotkin, for joining us this week. Thanks also go out to the flagship stations at Creighton, Xavier, Providence, and Butler for their assistance. Our thanks, as always, to producer Kevin Collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Tweet us those questions using the TWITBE hashtag. We will be back same time next week. This week in the Big East. 
Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.